gentlemen, welcome to Eat, Sleep, Suplex Retweet. Yo, 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 welcome to ESSR SummerSlam Review 2019. How's it going, everyone? I, it's me, it's me, it's David C, and we are ready to review the biggest party of the summer. Everyone is back, everyone is raring to go, and everyone's happy. It's just to let you know, guys, any of our past shows, you can find them on iTunes, you can find them on Spotify, and all other good podcasts and sites, including the Chris Jericho show, uh, where Scott McClellan signed it on Death Warrant with what he said about Strat. You need to go deep into that show to find it. I know what I did. Anyway, guys, I'm going to cut right to the chase. I want to introduce our panel, alright? First up, what would Batman be without the Joker? Probably happy, content, mentally stable and enjoying a relatively pleasant day. Uh, these are all things I would be feeling had Mr Viagra himself, Ross McLeod, not agreed to be on the panel. Ross, how are you? Uh, a bit stiff after that. <laughs> <laughs> told you never pop the pill too early man <laughs> next going from Ross to my next panellist is like dropping a rusty old penny coin you dumped down the toilet after taking a dump and picking up a fresh crisp winning Euro Millions ticket alright he's the Iron Man of ESSR a gentleman among peasants fresh off his trip to Canada it is the man with a voice so smooth it has his own Tinder account please welcome <laughs> Mr Gary Kernan with Lucy Kernan how's it going Woo-hoo. Yeah, we're good, thank you. I wondered where you were going when you started that introduction, but I'm happy with how it ended. How was SummerSlam? <laughs> it was incredible. We yeah. had such a good time. The events were fantastic. We were, had a great time seeing yeah. Toronto and... Um, we um, ended up on the pre-show. You did as well. They have no idea how excited I was. To say. <laughs> I was like, it's them. They're there. Yeah. I was excited as Hawking was. <laughs> <laughs> I did see your battles engines. I think I seen you, Gary. Anyway. <laughs> I have to tell you, Ross. Can you tell the story that you told me that night? Yes. Um, Stephen and Gary were texting, uh, and he said, "When you come back on the screen, just wave, wave, and we'll see you." And we went, "Oh look." There's Gary, there's Gary and Lucy. <laughs> and David waves and goes, Hello! <laughs> <laughs> he's in Canada, Dave. You can keep shouting. Uh-huh. They will not hear you from Bells Hill. <laughs> I, I missed Natty versus Becky because I was lost still laughing at that. <laughs> well, in the main show. Next up, we have a man who calls himself the Big Dog, but I would describe him more as a bunny rabbit, hopping from excuse to excuse as to why he's lost a sweep or a draft or a quiz or any other competition in this podcast. Perhaps you're hungover today, mate. I don't know, I don't know. Please welcome the man with more hot takes than I've had hot dogs. I'll let you decide that one. It's Alan McLucas. How's it going? You're the king of excuses, you joke. <laughs> swing R.I.P. Um, yeah, I'm I'm good. I'm great now. Uh, but went from celebrating all the the joys of the Goatswain getting slashed. Mm. It was good. Well, listen, I, um, every everyone has a downfall, but. You know, history, guys, it's littered with tyrants who have used their power and influence to benefit themselves and their quest for power. In a completely unrelated note, Mr. It's My Podcast won his sixth ESSR championship at SummerSlam, um, and he did something else that you can find on our social medias. I'm not saying anything, but you can take from that what you will. Please welcome Vince McMahon and Molly Weasley's love child, it's Stephen Wilson. <laughs> yes, thank you. Yes. 
in a world where people pretend to be wrestling journalists, I'm a legitimate <laughs> champion here on this panel. Who is Brad Shepard? I am Stephen Wilson. We can't call anyone out, Mister. Can't call Shad Brefford or someone like that. Just so you know, Ronda Rousey's coming back any week now, <laughs> <laughs> which I'll be proclaiming on this podcast for every week. Yeah. It wasn't Dave Meltzer. It wasn't even Dave. And then when Ronda Rousey returns, it'll be me who proclaims it, not Meltzer, not Kayla, not Sat. You should have an official countdown on your social yeah. media. Ronda Rousey is a better team minus this week. It wouldn't have the same effect because he blocked me. Because apparently I'm stupid. No, you're stupid, shepherds. It's <laughs> good you haven't taken a personal. Make that the same for the week. Yeah. And lastly, <laughs> lastly, he'll tell you what he wants, what he really wants. If you want to be his lover, you're going to have to eat his bread. He needs some buns like he's never needed buns before. He wants to make buns with you, baby. He's got a cable package bigger than the Spice Girls' back catalogue. Please welcome Jenny Quackywell. Can you say something, please? Let me know you're not dead. Well, I'm dead from laughing. Yes, Spice Girls fan stuff. If you want me to, yes. Waku, one day two will become one. Yeah. Me and the SSR title will be reunited. It's not that day, obviously. Thank you very much, Russ. Let's get on with the show, guys. SummerSlam 2019, right? So I'm we're interested in the show as well. <laughs> We've got like I put aside five minutes here to just talk about the pre-show. It's hard to sort of evaluate the pre-show, um, but I'm going to start with Alan. Alan, what was your thoughts on the pre-show panel that showed up this time? Because I love, I love you asking the only person here who didn't see the pre-show. You didn't see the pre-show. I didn't watch it live. I watched it the next night, so there was no pre-show. It was just straight in. That's fair enough. Oh, that's fair enough. Sorry, I'm just going to say Gary was great. So we're lucky. <laughs> Yes, match of the day of the pre-show was Apollo Crews versus Buddy Murphy, right up until the point where Rowan decided to do his bad thing and trashing Buddy Murphy. But what a match that they had to put on. See, I think it's better in hindsight now that Buddy got some time in SmackDown last night uh, mm-hmm. to do his thing, but it did further that Roman Reigns um, and um, Daniel Bryan Rowan story that's been going on. It's a weird one. I don't know. I'm interested to see where it goes. I don't think that's going to be obvious. I think there's going to be a wee twist there, but it's we have Austin. <laughs> but that was one of the matches that wasn't announced in advance. And Stephen, it was um, it was very quickly before the show we found out the women's tag titles would be defended. It'd be Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross against the wonderful Iconics. What did you make of that one? Uh, I thought it was a good way to kind of get the Iconics off the television temporarily. Not that they're bad, because obviously Peyton's apparently... Well, not apparently. She had to get to she's, But she's apparently taking some time off for it. But uh, I like what we've seen so far of uh, Nikki and Alexa's champs. Mm-hmm. And I hope they get a good solid run. They've already had uh, more TV defences and successful TV defences than the Iconics. Yeah, that's so, a, it wouldn't be hard to do. No. <laughs> to be honest with you. Ross, uh, what do you make of it? Obviously, the women's tag team titles have not been prominent on TV. Do you think the best way for them to be used is in this sort of story? We know it's going to eventually lead to an Alexa and Nikki breakup. Uh, are you okay with that? This sort of temporary alliance getting the belts put on them? As long as the titles are defended on TV. Like, yeah. you, we've seen it with the, tag t- the men's tag titles. Like, 2011 to 2013 before teams start becoming a thing again mm-hmm. it was just a case of who we thrown together this week as long as they're on TV I, I don't care <laughs> I would like to say to WWE if you're going to put matches on the pre-show for those that are trying to run a sweep could you maybe give us more than two <laughs> so I'm not frantically texting everyone when I'm about to go out the door I need your predictions I need your predictions <laughs> well thank you very much yes. yeah. people crazy and just not include them 
No, no, it's just uh, integrity. Well, yeah, you have to have order, Alan. You have it's to have you have no integrity. <laughs> I'm going to come to you. Obviously, Nigel McGuinness uh, has to get home early for bed because the Cruiserweight title match, once again on the pre-show, um, at SummerSlam, we had Drew Gulak versus Oni Larkin. Were you in the building at SummerSlam for this match yet? Just. Yeah. just. <laughs> the odd thing was... Uh, the tickets said 6pm on them, <laughs> which is when most people oddly started to arrive at the arena. Yeah. And we, most people were, weren't, as you can see from the scenes probably in the t- TV screen, most people weren't in their seats. Which was really odd about this pre-show, it's actually, it was quite eventful once it got started. I mean, the first hour of the panel talking, you could skip, because we're not on it, Lucy, are we? Yeah. But then once it got started, we had a couple of you know, the matches that you were talking about, the Cruiserweight tag titles, Apollo Cruz and Buddy Murphy, but also Edge. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I that felt like a, um, a, you know, that was a proper moment, a pop, that was deserving of a bigger spotlight than it got. That probably should have started the show, though. Yeah, maybe the main card that should have started a lot. I think that would be yeah. a good idea. One of my favourite bits of the pre-show, and unfortunately you probably won't have seen it, is when they were off camera on the panel or sat behind us. We were in row 10, there's a, a row 11, and then there was the panel. We were set up and uh, the, some fans were shouting, We love you, Jerry! We love you, Booker! <laughs> and then they started shouting, Charlie, Charlie, and then... Put your stuff up! <laughs> <laughs> That was my favourite bit of the pre-show. Truer words have never been uh, spoken, I think. Um, I won't put out to anyone who has an opinion on this. Edge, obviously, getting physical for the first time since his retirement. Do we think that uh, Saudi money is coming his way? Too risky. It's, it's, it's bumping for him is the issue. Oh, like, yeah. he can he could throw a spear or two or whatever, but bumping... It was a weak speed yeah. as well. You could tell that Elias was uh, doing his best. Like, like oh, I'll just calm down this. It's well the fact that the guy was saying before he retired, you know, after a match, he couldn't feel his hands. He couldn't close his hands. Yeah. You know, it's too much for us. Uh, it was good to see him back in that oh, hair, man. Someone needs to tell me what product Edge is using because that mean it's like a lion. It was like, it was incredible. I think, I think as well, obviously, like the one other time he's gotten <clears throat> slightly physical is when, you know, I think it was like when Cena had to bring back the authority, the person they put in charge at Edge was Big Show, you know, a trusted performer, mm-hmm. an actual friend, and you could see, like, he's holding his neck, hair goes, <laughs> it's like his shoulders he's holding. He's like, just I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stamp on his neck, like, jump your shoulders if you want. We know this is going to happen, Big Show, but from one spear to another, um, I think with Goldberg and Dolph Ziggler being announced, Jenny, I'll come back to you first for this one, all right? We all thought it was going to be a squash, um, but what was, what was your thoughts going into the match? What was your did you like the build to it with Ziggler hitting all the legends and stuff like that? Um, yeah, I did. I mean, I'll, I'll put my cards on the table and say I, I've always been a Goldberg fan. I think Goldberg should have re- left it at Mania Thirty Three. I thought that was a brilliant match, which really exceeded expectations, and this match sort of did what we thought it would do. I enjoyed it for what it was. It was never going to be match of the year. It's never going to get a big rating on our friend Dave's <laughs> that weird star system. Um, okay. <laughs> another weird Dave. 
It used to be a common theme in your games. Um, the match, seven hoagie rated match. Yeah, the match delivered what we thought it did. Um, it was a bit of a surprise at the start, and there was a bit of a gasp in the arena when uh, Ziggler hit those super kicks. I have to come at you for that one. What, what was your thinking? Do you think, oh my god, they pulled a swerve here? Did you yeah, think that? We were talking because Scott had put a poll on Twitter saying, uh, <laughs> Will Ziggler win tonight? Yes, no, hell no, <laughs> hell no, won the, uh, won the poll. And we're like, Ziggler's not winning, this is, oh my god, one, oh, right, no, right. Like, but we all just bit because, you know, after Goldberg Brock at Survivor Series 2016, like, we know, now know anything's possible, and it was just that, oh, oh that was two super kicks, by the way, just for those that were kissing super kicks on the show. That two, I don't know why that's relevant. <laughs> two beautifully delivered super kicks, which clearly gave Dolph far too much confidence because yeah. after the match, he got a bit crazy. I have, to, I have to say, like Stephen, would you have been satisfied if the match had finished and Goldberg went up the rabbit? You would have got what you paid for at that point. Yeah, but I'm talking from me and obviously Ross, me we both watching the same place. We we wanted more. <laughs> we were. <laughs> We were, and given the fact that the pay-per-view ended an hour before it was scheduled to end on the network, we could have had him spearing him for all night. <laughs> yeah, I genuinely think that. Alan, where do you think? No, like, do you think it was the right move? Obviously, Dolph Ziggler—he's not the star that he was back when he cashed in Money in the Bank. We've talked about this for a long time, but do you think there's any credibility left with Dolph Ziggler now? No, that's the ultimate squash. I mean, like. You've came out, you've been beaten badly by a 15-year-old man but who was supposed to be this is supposed to be a retirement match <coughs> and now he's signed a new long-term contract. So you're getting battered by a 15-year-old man and then you just keep on the trap. Look, can we not say it look by a 50-year-old man like he's just some generic 50-year-old man? This <laughs> is Goldberg. He's not your bro, Alan. He's not your bro. <laughs> <laughs> I love Goldberg, man. No, but like, oh, it's just... It's, the fact that he's came back to ring, what, twice after annihilating him just to literally split the boy in half? Yeah, not, yeah you're done. I'm not going to lie, though. See if he has got a new contract, then we get Goldberg versus Matt Riddle out of it. Yeah. yeah. Well, I wanted to ask you, Quacko. Obviously, Matt Riddle was one option on the table, but this, this showed that Goldberg, he's not the Goldberg we've seen in Saudi Arabia. He can still put on the match that he's designed to put on. Who would you like to see Goldberg go up against next, if anyone? Matt Riddle, who else? Eh, I've actually not thought about that because I'm not gonna lie. I've n- Goldberg, as as legendary as he is, he's on the back of my mind for who I really want to see in a dream match. To be honest, mm-hmm. I but, think Goldberg needs to go into the matches with folk like Ziggler, you know, trusted hands that can still go. So not legends, not people that are up and coming. So I would put Elias. <laughs> see, see, if you ask that question, just one match came out of my head: the Fiend Goldberg. Mm. If it was long as the fiend, it would have to be the fiend uh, followed in the line, not fiend now, but maybe the 18 months' time, two years' time. Mm-hmm. I think that could be a brilliant match. You know, you're like a quick, a quick match, but it'd be a brilliant match. Well, you had a. I'd love to see me like see the whole twenty four seven title things at the minute. I'd love to see Drake Maverick running away with the bell <laughs> through the crowd into the ring as Goldberg's hitting a promo. Goldberg has a spear, and then when he stands up with the title, everyone just goes. Well, you know, every so often you have a golden idea and I, just, I would love to see <laughs> that you know what I think I'll just challenge yeah. the US title I think I'll leave it <laughs> see as you're saying that Cesaro mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yes I just wouldn't want to see him lose I love Cesaro you know what I mean no, I think Cesaro should retire him 
See, and that'll be his push. Something obviously would take it with a pinch of salt because it's Dave Meltzer. <laughs> Apparently, his new deal is to be Bruno, as in Bruno Sammartino, and put someone over on the way out like Bruno did. Like, I think he made like the next big star. That's the most Paul Heyman thing I've ever heard in the yeah. planet. You can tell that came from his mouth. It was yeah. like talking I, I think it was like Backlund he put over, and then yeah. Backlund like, led the mm-hmm. title for the four well, years. And you were talking about Riddle. <coughs> Does anyone see the, the comments about when the two of them actually met backstage? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, Riddle wasn't actually like a big man then, was he? I'm not sure, bro, bro. I'm <laughs> okay, bro. Oh, yeah. Riddle yeah. seemed to back down from his character and went, oh, the fact that Riddle doesn't kill like you'll fight Brockley or Goldberg he is a, an MMA guy who was in a four match winning streak in his first four matches in UFC well, it's one of those things where I, I enjoyed the match we'll need to see what happens if mm. Goldberg versus Riddle happens it'd be exciting but something that wasn't too exciting Kwaku I know you're you're a Kofi Kingston fan in the match it had such promise like did you like yeah. the way this match was built based around their history and what happened real life events back in 2009 ok this is where I'll start with the thing of people weren't appreciating what they were seeing correct me if I'm wrong was I hearing Kofi stupid chants yes yeah. right that was stupid in itself first of all I would like to say that if you were chanting that, I'm sorry, but <laughs> we were not chanting that. I, were we? I know, no. I know, you two are the smartest people going, and I can imagine you guys with your visceral section signs doing all. <laughs> yes. But don't get started on these before, before it got stolen by another <laughs> visceral section member. I know all the cleaner. I know. <laughs> at least, at least you know the visceral sections all of two people now. Anyway, <laughs> but um. That really, it just didn't set the tone right for me, to be honest with you. Well, it's one of those things, Alan. Do you think part of the reason that people were like chatting that is because of Kofi's reign thus far? Because it was a great moment at WrestleMania. And I don't think that Kofi is putting bad performances, per se, but his, his, his title reign so far has just been a bit average. average. Yeah, it's because the way he's been booked. And, you know, if you're going to put Kofi in with somebody, it's going either lift him up and give him the push or going to drop him Orton's the perfect guy mm-hmm. he's done it throughout his whole career and it, it, is a bit, it is a shame what's happening to Kofi because he has become a bit stale uh, I don't agree with the Kofi stupid thing I think that's crap to be honest mm-hmm. but also this match as well it just didn't live up to the it just seemed like the two just couldn't be bothered I'll let you come back quicker because you seem to yeah, take exception yeah because look at the people who he's defended against so far Seth Rollins yes okay was a double whatever uh, Randy Orton AJ Styles Kevin Owens and Samoa Joe he's fought off so many people that should be world champions mm-hmm. so uh, to say the way he's getting booked I, 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 I don't think it's on paper you're right but it's mm-hmm. just been Stephen do you agree it's just been match quality and not that, that. Ma- match quality I think has been fine I think one of the issues with it is he's still kind of it kind of looks like he still kind of needs the big E and Xavier all the time you know I think if he obviously the matches himself He's done it. He's, he's been out there. He's put on great matches, as Quacko said, with all these guys and beat them. And some more joy probably be too convincingly, I probably would say. Yeah. yeah. But it just something maybe doesn't feel right. Maybe it's maybe just how SmackDown's presented. Maybe check that. But I actually thought the build to this match was very well done, considering that the two of them didn't really face off face to face. The promo work from Randy <laughs> before it was brilliant. Kofi was even. Kofi is shown in the last year since he's won that belt he's great on the mic uh, Ross what do you think like uh, uh, personally I'm going to put my cards on the table I think this was a case of Randy Orton not being invested in the match itself and it was just a bit 
too traditional Randy Orton for me. Bit rest holdy. Do you know what I mean? Where you yeah. do you feel the same thing? Yeah, definitely. I think he's just. He didn't seem interested. He seemed so interested leading up to the match, but as you said, too traditional. I think they knew they were leading to the double count out. And Randy Orton's someone who, if you give him a bad like, booking or bad storyline, he will not be interested and you will definitely not. Like, look how. Look at Wyatt Randy Orton mm-hmm. and look at this Randy Orton. <laughs> Gary, would you agree that that match was just booked badly? Like the finish, I think, on paper, if Randy got a bit more physical or a bit more in the face of Kofi Sins, it could have worked, but it just felt a bit lacklustre. Yeah, I think that's right. There's a couple of interesting things the guys have said already. To me, this didn't feel like a big match. Mm-hmm. And actually being there in the arena, this felt like the popcorn match. Because I think it, it followed Trish and uh, Charlotte. I think it did it? follow Trish and Charlotte. Yeah. It followed that. So, I think people you. Bray Wyatt was going to be on after it. It needed a different, you know, it was placed wrong in the card, I think. The Kofi Stupid chants, um, you know, this, you know, Canadian crowds are renowned for being bizarro world, and that falls into that category. When Seth came out, there was some booing for Seth. Mm-hmm. Nobody was booing at the end of the night. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alan talked yeah. about the, the people that, um, that Kofi's defended against so far. Joe was cold as anything when he fought him. AJ was in this sort of uh, phase. Yeah. So he's not really had any contenders that have elevated him further. So th- this match, I think, felt... When you compare it to the Universal title, the Universal title match felt like a main event. Mm. This felt like a mid-card match. Yeah. yeah. Well, you, Ross, what do you think? Yeah, it just involves a point on the people he's faced. Kevin Owens, it was too soon. Like, yeah, they could have kept... The nudie thing going for a while, and then Biggie comes back and goes, Actually, I was injured because Kevin Owens attacked me. Yeah. Dolph Ziggler, the matches were great. It was one of the only good thing on Super Showdown. And the Steel Cage match, the drama and all that was there, but it'd be a bit more convincing if it was someone like an AJ Styles or an Akamura or a Daniel Bryan. Because Dolph Ziggler's got to that stage where it's like, you, you bite, but at the same time, you don't bite. Mm-hmm. And then, as we mentioned, some audio. Cold as ice. Well, if you, if you look at it that way, like, you only fought Kevin Owens because Daniel Bryan was injured. Yeah. You only fought Dolph Ziggler because Kevin Owens wouldn't go to Saudi Arabia. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, are you meant to pro over a champion if that's what you're doing? Well, it's very hard. And I do I do think, actually, the way you refresh him is this Orton feud's obviously going to continue now, which mm-hmm. is what it is. I wouldn't mind the entire New Day turning heel again. I do think them as a group have gotten a Don't bit steered. No, but if they turn teal, it makes more sense that Kofi, if he, you have the group there and he needs them, that's just more convincing and it's more convenient. You know what I mean? Um, oh, but we're keeping, <laughs> we're keeping on the SmackDown side of things. And Lucy, you must have been buzzing to see this match up close and personal. It's Bailey, Bailey versus Ember. I mean, were you excited for this one? Yeah. Yeah, very excited. Obviously, you're sporting the Bailey gear right now. Um, Gary, you were there in person. What did you make of... It was a strange build to me, this match, because it was one of the things that was like, Ember was handed um, the title shot from Bailey as though she was some sort of underdog, and then Ember was just made to look a bit weak in the build-up to it. What was your thought of the build? I think that's a, a fair summary of it. I think this match suffered 
have been too similar to the other late women's title match, Natty and Becky face versus face, mm-hmm. to, to have two of those matches, the same type of story you're trying to tell, and Ember was made the sacrificial lamb on the, the week of SummerSlam, wasn't she, when she uh, took the fall in the tag match. Yeah, and so she, she had that Natty sharpshooter uh, snapped on it as well, <laughs> um, and so we had to have Bailey save her, and I was yeah. like, if anyone, don't take Natty, don't give Natty that rub, and Ember didn't it more. Yeah, um, so... Ember deserves sorry doesn't deserve Ember should be in a better spot than she is she's a great talent and has a lot of potential a lot to offer uh, she needed I think to go on a, a little run to work up to being the champion we talked in the last pod about uh, when we talk about TakeOver about Mia Yim being like the face of the week that's what Ember felt like now it looks like going by Twitter that Bailey's issued a challenge to Clash of Champions to Candice Marie. I don't know what, what to make of that with Bailey. Yeah. she just hates matches that aren't going to happen so yeah, is, this what, is this going to be her thing she's going to randomly pick people I wonder please I want you yeah. but either way all is right with the world and Bailey retained um, and held onto the belt so we were happy with the outcome yeah <laughs> the destination felt less important to me about this one Bailey did say in an interview on uh, TalkSport actually she talked about three people she wanted to face I think it was Candice Dakota Kai and Kaylee Ray oh. and The Rock that's <laughs> unplausible but, where uh, is Dakota Kai? she's injured oh, she's injured for a while yeah, but uh, uh, I think with this match I think one of the problems with it is they kind of cut it too short it seemed like it was starting to build a bit of steam it was starting to the crowd can you maybe prove it? The crowd looked like they were starting to get into it a wee bit with the two way the two of them were going, they were putting a great, but they just kinda snapped its legs off it mm-hmm. with a crack finish with the up top rope belly to belly. But I'm gonna put Alan on the spot here actually and I know we've got people in the room who might be upset what you're gonna say Alan, but did the right person go over in this match in your opinion? A tough one actually. That's a no. <laughs> I, I, I think I'm gonna have to just see yes right now. Mm-hmm. I think the booking hasn't been great for Ember and obviously not looking weak. I think Ember's time's coming. I think it will be Ember that does take the title from her. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, right now is not the time for her. I agree with Guy. She deserves to be in a better spot. I think she will get that spot uh, probably by the end of the year. Yeah, and does it? What's your thoughts on that, Ross? Actually, because Alan's brought up an interesting point. He thinks Ember will come back and be the one to take that title from Bailey. Me and you had a sort of dialogue earlier this week. Yeah. Uh, the, we seem to be on the same boat with this. Do you think it'll be someone else? Yeah, I think if she's been Trish Stratus at SummerSlam, it's got to be Charlotte. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't go for <clears throat> like being possibly the most recognisable woman of all time, other than China. To being say on the pre-show against Sonia Deville, like, mm-hmm. and even like as we mentioned, Mia Yim face of the week, the the build-up to Ember Moon's title match. She lost to Sonia Deville because Mandy Rose interfered. She lost to Mandy Rose because Sonia interfered. They had an argument over a plate of oranges. Oranges, I oranges. <laughs> oranges, Jesus Christ! Easy for you, exactly. It was how ridiculous it was. And then the next week it was, haha, you've got no friends. Oh look, there's Bailey. <laughs> Bailey gets the pin in the match and then goes, I think you've earned a title shot. Yeah, I haven't. In what world? Yeah. Uh, the, only, the only thing I would shout is Charlotte's very steel, she's champion. 
And he finds Tolliner really quickly. See, but that's her his job, though. Like, he's champion still. Heel champion. Yeah. It works like the emotion works with Charlotte. I think when she's champion and a heel, because we're meant to want her to lose. It was the same with Triple H. I'll have back. I I feel like I agree. She's a good heel champion, but Mm -hmm. she seems to burn out very quickly, regardless. So is is it worth putting her on to maybe give her two month rain to drop it because she'll lose the the spark? That's one of the things, Quack. I wanted to go to you just very quickly on this. Do you think that's what because? we have a lot of women in the roster but they don't seem to build them all up at once so when someone wins a feud it's like oh there's no obvious person to go to next and it feels cold because we haven't seen that person on TV mm-hmm. for a while you know what I mean Ross uh, didn't take a jab at Sonya Deville but said you can't just go to Sonya Deville mm-hmm. and it's nothing against Sonya Deville as a competitor it's just she hasn't been built correctly and the depth in the roster isn't there you know what I mean well yeah. this is a problem when you're the only matches you have for women on the TV show is when the women's championship is implicated. Mm-hmm. They don't have any other storyline. Take NXT for example. The other thing they've got is Candice LeRae versus Io Shirai. Great match. No belt involved. Just a grudge of I hate you. You're a sweaty golf and I hate you more. <laughs> <laughs> so like that's what it needs. It can't be just like oh I pick you and then that's. We can make it easy that way. But quickly, I'm just going to stay with you. And move on to our next match yeah. here. What's your thoughts on the OC? Not the TV show, new group in WWE Raw. I've never actually watched the OC. <laughs> it was good back in the day. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I should check it out. Yeah. But, oh, sorry, uh, you mean yeah. Gallows and Anderson? I mean Gallows and Anderson, right. Mr. Mr. Uh, Alan Styles. Uh. Yeah, <laughs> so the face painting's weird, I'll say. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a throwback to Japan days, though. I know, but who is the throwback tonight? It looks like the warlord. Google the warlord. That's exactly what oh, it looks like. A poor man's head. That's low. <laughs> like, then, I get what is happening, but the thing is, though, AJ Styles doesn't need interference and stuff. But I get what they're doing. But the thing I'll say at the same time is, I'm actually just, this is weird for me to say, I'll just take it. Because let's be honest, in the past year, Carlos and Anderson haven't really been picked well. So it's kind of it's good to see them. Yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. I'm going um, to ask everyone's opinion on this match because I was sort of mixed on it. Obviously, we had a Alan great spot from Ricochet uh, mm-hmm. doing the Takeshi's Castle over uh, <laughs> <laughs> over the shoulders <laughs> of Carlos and Anderson. Yeah. I jumped in my seat when I landed. Yeah. He was like, "What are you doing?" I'm like, <laughs> and she's like, "Oh, Day you still- can't do that." I went. 99.9999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999
did not feel quite right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Maybe because Natty lost in the first match. I don't know. Yeah, but Ross, it's good to see Ricochet being given a singles match, a prominent singles match yeah. on the second or third biggest WWE pay per view of the year. You know what I mean? That's like that's a positive, surely. Yeah. At the same time, it didn't live up to the hype, as you said. It's it's a weird one. AJ Styles is one of the best in the world, but he's just not delivering recently. Like sometimes he's affected by card placement sometimes he's affected by never ending storylines like Shinsuke never ending storylines <coughs> I was trying not to sing <laughs> uh, Shinsuke and Samoa Joe sprang to mind uh, Wendy <laughs> oh god man it was horrendous did you guys hear people shouting Wendy during the match were they? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah that's incredible Just, I, yeah. there you go uh, sorry we talked about that uh, same finish Last year in the WWE title matches this year, yeah. the heel goes after the champion's family. Hey, and then, it's and then like, just move on to the next paper. Yeah. <laughs> but good to see Ricochet getting a prominent role. Did like his Nightwing attire for what it was, but as the match got on, it did look a bit. Yeah. Well, it must have been sweat. <laughs> <laughs> I want to ask that what you guys think. The Kernahans over here, what was the reaction to this match in the arena? Was it a bit dead or were, were people invested in it? What would you say? I'd say it's like mixed. Like some people were into it and some people didn't really care they were just like it's toilet break yeah <laughs> I thought it was a curious placement in the card I didn't expect Natty and Becky to start the show I actually thought this would be the match that they would have started with with the high impact energy I wonder just uh, with um, with AJ if we have higher expectations so if this had been a, uh, you know like uh, KOs and Shane I think it seeded the expectation I don't think yeah. any of us really thought that that would be what like, match the night even Rollins and Lesnar to an extent I think we have a higher expectation of these two I agree with the point Quacko made about Gallows and Anderson if you know the uh, bringing the club together is good it's given them something to do um, but I think it's been rushed a bit so Gallows and Anderson get back together with AJ the club's officially formed the next week they become the tag champs yeah. That, that felt a bit too quick for me. We've seen this match too many times, which is a, a real feature with AJ. Uh, thing. I thought the same with Kevin Owens a while ago. That yeah. you know, you're almost guaranteed every week to see AJ wrestle. Um, sometimes less is more. Yeah. And uh, maybe we AJ doesn't need to wrestle every week in Raw. I think he could benefit from going away for a while. Yeah, I'm glad that there's a line drawn now, this feud's done. I love the finish, I've got to say. That move that they finished with was incredible yeah. for them all. I like the Nightwing attire. The only shame is that you couldn't see uh, you couldn't see Ricochet's abs. No abs. The only thing I'm going to say about AJ is that since he's coming down to me, he, now, I don't think age is a factor here. <laughs> yeah. He's not wrestling with the same intensity. In TNA, he wrestled very quickly, very powerfully. He did the same in Japan, but he's not doing it here. And I wonder, there are stories about Nakamura's being held back. So don't do this, don't do that, but we'll be a bit more PG, want to make it a bit more entertaining. I wonder if that's part of the reason why maybe AJ's not hitting in full form. I agree with you, and I think, I think it's this word pitbull that Vince uh, seems to associate with AJ. He wants him to wrestle that more grounded um, style. And I do think it's affected him in a way, but if he is getting older and he needs to slow it down, I think it's a style that can benefit him going forward and he keep it up from years to come. Hard, doing that. Sorry to talk over you, David. It's, it's hard to to do that type of match when you know you've got to wrestle the next day mm-hmm. uh, whereas at TakeOver 
you know, those guys can go full pelt and they know they won't have to wrestle for a week and a half. Yeah, well, someone who isn't going to have to wrestle for a week and a half, in fact, she's probably never going to wrestle again, uh, is the one and only uh, WWE Hall of Famer Trish Stratus. Um, I liked, Stephen, you talked about this in the lead up to it. But the build to this match didn't come out of nowhere and it was only given a couple of weeks. Do you think that they did well with the promo time they were given to promote this match? Uh, I'm not going to lie, I wasn't 100% sure going into it because, as I said, uh, the promo time of it didn't really feel... I felt like it was rushed. I mean, they could have... When Charlotte was off TV for a while, they could have built this for longer. Mm-hmm. But when the two of them went in the ring, I had a bit of a sluggish start, I think, but as it went on, Trish showed that she still got it. Charlotte showed why, as most of the guys on the panel have said in the past, she is very, very good in the ring. Mm. Everybody knows I'm a Becky Lynch mark, a wee bit, uh, but uh, I can't deny how good Charlotte is as an in-ring competitor. Your name is Becky Lynch mark. <laughs> what? Your name is Becky Lynch mark. Are yeah, chased it by Depot. Are you talking about the same Becky Lynch that did a signing in Glasgow that members of this panel went to see, but you didn't bother leaving Bell's Hill for? Yes. Okay, <laughs> not, just, just checking. Not that much for Becky. I wanted to, I had to, I had to <laughs> be in Glasgow to get my free ICW ticket. I Yes, you skip you skip the child. I don't skip her. Clark, you skip anyone about two hundred. I want to come back to you, Ross, because yes. there was a there was a discussion on the greatest uh, female competitor of all time on uh, the East Sleep Super Retreat community Facebook group, which you can join now. As t- and people were sort of getting low on Trish, saying her matches were never that good, she was never that good. Do you think that argument's been put to bed a wee bit? And Trish has shown that, I know she was in there with Charlotte, but she was a very, very good competitor. So, I think me and you summed it up in the conversation we had during the week, so I'm just going to read what I said to you. <laughs> you messaged me saying about, do you think she proved people wrong? Because there was a lot of like, can she still go? It's got to be crap, it's got to be crap. And mm-hmm. I'd say to you, wanting someone to fail has always baffled me about certain wrestling fans. Uh, think she showed she could still go, think being the best of a bad bunch back in the day clouds people's perspective as in to say oh she was only good compared to bad people she was good she was never given much of a chance as were many women in that day and age yeah but as we mentioned her influence and her breaking through in the, uh, through the card and through the ranks was shown on that card because this is the first WWE pay-per-view that's not evolution mm-hmm. to have four just women not mixed tags just women's matches you had the women's title Sorry, the Raw and the SmackDown Women's title, the tag titles, and the Trish and Charlotte. This, and I'd even say with Trish, like even with the limited opportunity she was given, mm-hmm. if you mention her name to a casual wrestling fan, because of her presence during the Attitude Year, they would know her name. You know what I mean? So there is like a star power behind her, but Alan, I want you to switch gears a wee bit, come to you. Charlotte Flair took Trish Stratus, who's only wrestled five matches since 2011, and didn't... I wouldn't say character to an excellent match, but she definitely was the ring general for this one. Do you think this yeah. showed how good Charlotte Flair is as an in-ring competitor? Yeah, I mean, something we're talking next week in the show, I'm hosting the Mount Rushmore. For me, Charlotte Flair is the greatest female wrestler of all time. And for me, she didn't hit the peak yet, she's still getting better and better. And you're right, she didn't have to carry her, but she certainly guided her with specific moves and so forth. And she really did it really well and she showed that she's no longer, you know, you know, the apprentice. She's the master. And you know, she has and that torch has passed perfectly on from Trish to her. Mm. Um so yeah, absolutely can you know. And I want to ask you, you Quarku as well, Charlotte Flair, um, like the only way is up for her at this point. Do you do you think she needed this rub? 
Um, or do you think it was good for her to get it? Or? It adds an extra. What do you want? Six knots. Yeah, string on the bow. And there, it, ends, it ends the <laughs> sort of discussion. It's the legitimacy to her. Yeah. Yes, that that one adds that. And I, personally, I did like the build up to it. Yes, it was short, but don't forget, Charlotte did have to take time away because of personal things going on with Andrade. That mm-hmm. happened, so she had to take away for that, which was all great. But I think. Just put them two names sells a match in itself, and sometimes you just have that thing of when you have like an NXT match, and before the bell goes, you ha- you know who's in the ring, and you get this is awesome chant. Yeah, that was that for me. And Gary and Lucy, I want to come to you guys. Many people have said that the aftermath of this match with Trish soaking in the appreciation for one last time in front of the Toronto crowd folk special. How was it to be in the arena at that point? when the crowd was given their appreciation saying thank you Trish and it could have been the last time we see this legend of the business in the ring mm-hmm. well this was the first time that Lucy's seen Trish let wrestle live you've seen her yeah. wrestle on TV before it felt like a special moment didn't it? yeah Yeah. there was, uh, there was also when you were watching the match I tweeted this from the ESSR account uh, it was like it was you know, it was a historic moment. Uh, you know, this two two eras of women's wrestling coming together, and I I think Trish could have hung in this era definitely of mm-hmm. wrestling. Yeah. So the the arguments that people have made uh, up until now are false ones to me. Could Trish have wrestled a, a 15, 20 minute match every week? Well, she just proved that she could do it with the best. Yeah. Uh, and one of the great things about this match, and I don't know if you thought this, Lucy, you felt like. You never knew who was going to win it up until the end yeah. of it, and I like that. I love that about mm-hmm. wrestling. And there was, I, I think, for folk that were going into this match, there was a wee bit of legitimacy in the arguments or the fears of is this match going to be a bit of a damn squid? Because the tag match at Evolution wasn't it great. I would argue it, uh, that that wasn't Trish's fault. That was more Alicia Fox. That was, that was Foxy, <laughs> and I don't think Lita can still go to the same level. Lita, yeah, no. you seen that in the Royal Rumble. The- 2018 but oh, yeah, really yeah. dangerously bad Aye, I think that Trish I just want to wrap it up by saying from all of us thank you Trish Absolutely. everything she did for women's wrestling and I think Absolutely. she deserved that moment in SummerSlam guys that's it for part one uh, we will be back uh, we're going to go to our break now where you'll be hearing uh, the, the jingle of the Firefly Huff Funhouse but also uh, we're hyping up our more than hype interview with Sarah Grieve coming out this week uh, so stay tuned for part two Hi, I'm TJ Perkins, otherwise known as the Cruiser Great, otherwise known as the Hill M Flash, and you're listening to Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retail. Previously on the Firefly Funhouse. Did you miss me? This is the Firefly Funhouse! This is my special place! Yowie wowie! We're gonna have so much fun here! What's up, Ray? This is no time for games! But don't worry, there's still a lot of darkness in this old noggin.
why its mind works. But the puppets and this whole new fiend persona, clearly Bray is more twisted and messed up than ever. But I've stared fear in the eyes before. I didn't back down then, and I'm not gonna back down now. Hi, Finn! Mercy, Ramblin' Rabbit, and I are such humongous fans of yours. I should warn you, though, while you are an extraordinary man, the Fiend is no man. The Fiend is an abomination. The Fiend is power. The Fiend remembers. The Fiend is coming for him. Let me in. Hey guys, more than hype here, LJ Cleary, Darren Carney, Nathan Martin, and you're listening to Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet! Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet! Thank you to More Than Hype for being the voice of this week's show. Uh, their interview with Sarah Grieve will be out this week on all of the platforms, Spotify, iTunes, all of it will be there. Um, before we get into part two, we, we did ask the fans this week um, and the community group, which you can join on Facebook, get in there, join the discussion. What was your favourite match or moment from uh, SummerSlam? Uh, we had someone called Gary Kernahan. He said Brock versus Seth for the intensity, uh, Fiend versus Finn for the drama. Uh, Linky Gray said, got to be Trish versus Charlotte. It was an incredible match between the Titans of their era. Absolutely the main event for me, uh, which then started the debate between myself and Stephen Wilson over there shock horror take uh, it on social media for a wee special of us too uh, you've got Louise Westy who said The Fiend versus Finn or Goldberg versus Diggler uh, Diggler? Diggler <laughs> um, David Hatney said Fiend versus Finn uh, for Bray's return and Lesnar versus Rollins was also good uh, Ross McLeod said uh, Goldberg versus Ziggler um, which <laughs> and then John Woodcock said uh, The Fiend versus Finn Balor the entrance the lamp the lamp the feel was amazing and creepy and it felt incredible the crowd popped fantastic so thank you everyone for the feedback and join that group guys it's a really good group uh, good discussions going around good arguments and everyone's engaged and that's what we want from us as a wrestling fan base to engage with each other and have constructive discussions one constructive discussion that has been happening recently Alan will come to you the Firefly Funhouse yes what so when it first started, <laughs> what was your initial thought when you seen that first ever episode of The Fun House? I just smelled the cheddar and the Edam, it was just too cheesy. <laughs> I was just like, oh god. And Bray Wyatt for me in general has always been a guy who just goes on and on too far too long. He just talked and you're like, shut up mate, fight. Well, he, he's he fight. And he went on and on and I was like, no, so for pretty much right up until basically Sunday, anytime he came on, Fast forward. Really? I've never watched a full fight. What do we call it? Another watch. Another hot take. And I'm just like, like, I'm not kidding. Even my dog, she'll sit and watch the wrestling, and then he comes on, she just goes goes to bed and lies down, and then literally when the come back on, because usually he's on before the adverts, she'll get back up again. So you've never done a muscle man dance? 
You have not left. Stephen, <laughs> Stephen, help me out here. I mean, the, the Firefly Funhouse has been the best part of WWE TV for the last several months, surely. That and, Qua- that and Quacko's Man Artruff. Thank yeah. you very much. The two of them. Uh, but no, you were... You did wonder when it started, it was like, where's he going to go with this, you know, it looks very like, is he going to, is his character going to go pure nice, then he obviously chainsawed a cardboard cut out his head, and you think, oh maybe he's not been, but <laughs> when we started getting the fiend aspect of that uh, Fire 5 Funhouse, you thought, where's this going to go, yeah. he then brought the fiend out on the TV in the last month or so, he was taking out all the legends and Finn Balor, and then we got to Sunday, and he came out, and you're like, this is money. I need to talk about that entrance, Ross. And I need to talk about it because I wasn't sure they're just going to keep the old entrance music. Surely they have to do something different. And then what we got was freakier, creepier and more atmospheric than I think any of us could ever predict. What was your reaction to the entrance and what was your favourite element of it? It's just, it's so many wee nods. Like, see the lettering at the start that let me in and the Pennywise style like writing mm. and that's how I've described his character to people that aren't sure it's like Pennywise he lures people in with this friendly oh I'm the dancing singing clown sort of thing and then just snaps and becomes the evil the demon it's the Beetlejuice trousers it's the death in the family Joker style mask that he's got it's the fact that he wrestles just in this full attire much like I mentioned Pennywise Pennywise still keeps the clown outfit on when it's chasing its victims yeah it's just so many things that are done so well and it's hit that mark of perfectly because WWE sometimes when it goes a bit creepier, a bit crazy as we've seen with the old Bray Wyatt character or Kane and the Undertaker in the early days when it's cheesy, it's very cheesy and it's hokey and it makes you embarrassed to watch Mm. this is like, it's terrifying but at the same time it's like this could be a main event player. Stephen, you got to give Cody Orange, who's done the, the remake of the, the Bray Wyatt theme. Oh, it's that. so well done, but that real element, I think, to that entrance was the lantern. Yeah. The lantern with his head, the eyes were stitched shut. It's like, God, I don't know how Lucy felt watching that. I was terrified. No, no, obviously, <laughs> we don't want to get too much any rumour on this show. Uh, we're a very legitimate uh, organisation, unlike some other people. Uh, Ronda Rousey, next week! <laughs> next week! <laughs> um, but there have been the rumours about the lantern uh, being complained about of appearance scripts and stuff like that and being oh, gone as they take it down from their YouTube, the full entrance. It's apparently... Some people are saying that, other people are saying it's just been an editing job. Yeah. You'll know when the fiend comes back in like that. If, if he's not with the lantern, it's been cut. Well, let's get it. back to the, the live, the liveness of the entrance, guys. And I'm asking you guys about but This is one thing I can only imagine what it was like to experience the fiend coming out live. What was it? What, what was it like? <laughs> it was, well, at first it was like really creepy at first. Yeah. And then when it came out, you just got a feeling like this is going to be a great match. So we were right by the entrance ramp, so we seen the Fiend make his very first steps onto the stage, which was pretty cool. But just before he came out, just to give a nod to my man Finn. Just just like you know, he was wearing all white. I've never seen Finn wrestle in that colour before, so he had that sort of good versus evil yeah. symmetry just to add to the storytelling there. He's in a white. Yeah. Like, he wrestles in all different colours. Like, really? Yeah. So just to give that, but the the 
the mo you know every move that he makes is considered. I don't know if any of you know it's that when he got to the bottom of the ramp and he had that sort of shudder to his body and then it was like the hands on his head and the, it was kind of yeah. there was a, there was the nods in the ring as well where he looked like he was doubting himself. Yeah. Right before this the sister Abigail just after he nearly killed Finn with that next that, well, that's that's one thing I wrote down here like Kwaku it's not just that he's changed gimmick he has changed the way he moves slightly he's changed the way even like it's not a traditional Irish whip he does anymore like he's genuinely looks like he's throwing his opponent into the ropes like he was doing with Finn did you like these small changes to his moveset his mannerisms and what was your your favourite element of his new character from an in-rings perspective mm, I've got a highlight the mandible claw yeah. yeah and the reason I'll say it is because see what something that Mick Foley does which is absolutely genius is that there's a lot of wrestlers where they'll be a bit egotistical and say that oh, I, I, I invented that one and I do it the best <laughs> no we had we had Mick Foley actually explain why why using the mandible claw was so devastating because he explains that he puts the hat fingers in the mouth and he traps the nerve endings and goes underneath mm-hmm. and then he basically claps them together and it's very difficult to breathe when that happens and you're like I like, oh. when Mick, I like the best Mick Foley is when he breaks down it on a, like a scientific level yeah. of violence oh. you know what I mean one of the things about Wyatt when he was on his, his run to date was when if the sister Abigail didn't put him away you'd never look like Bray was going to do anything with it Take the great example was in Takeover of Io Shirai she had the moonsault didn't win she then pulled out the submission to put Candice away Bray didn't have that element in his character beforehand with the Maniple Claw he does I just wanted to say with this match you knew it felt special when uh, White got to the ring or the Fiend got to the ring and uh, crowds chanting holy shit yeah. um, there's only one other time I can th- remember that happening in WWE is when Shinsuke debuted at TakeOver yeah. you know the, the, it had everybody in their palm of the hands and then they stole a great story and even up until the Fiend dominated Finn looked terrified yeah. before it's that Finn energy about dom- it it's an intangible Finn rallied a little bit which yeah. then led into the mandible claw can I just see from a songwriting perspective mm-hmm that music is perfect and it's the it's the drums it's the bass of it the bum bum it's the bum it's the it's nice it feels your, your, your heart starts to go bit yeah. and you start to actually part, you feel yourself palpitating that yeah uh, something as well something we mentioned about the demon character because me and Alan on the break talked about how um, like the demon versus the fiend the demon, I think, is a stale character. Mm. And the thing about the demon is, like, once the initial, oh my god, it's him in the entrance, what does the demon do differently exactly. that Finn Balor does? You mentioned all these wee moves and all they these sell things. Everything the demon does is like 10 right. 20% off. Also, does. the fact there's not, that obviously I know Quacko's going to correct me here, but there's not much difference in the moves of Finn Balor and the demon. Yeah. Right. This is, this is a big thing that people miss out on. The whole point of the demon is it gets in your head. So the moves that Finn Balor does, you can reverse them. So he does, like, his main signature thing is, like, the sling blade, the double kick to the, the drop the drop kick to the turnbuckle, the coup de grace, stuff like that. They're all moves that you can reverse. The prop thing with the demon is that it gets into people's heads that they can't reverse those devastating moves when they land. But that's the key difference. But that's the thing though, if it gets in their head, much like the Undertaker gets in people's heads with the parlor tricks and the uh, the gong, mm. not the dong, the gong. <laughs> um, 
Why doesn't he just do it every week? It's it's because became, that's a special it's thing. It's I think that's the problem. That's a, it's a special it's thing. It's became a Saudi blood money. Like, I, I disagree. But no, but I agree with him because I think like if it's a special thing, why are you not bringing it out against Brock Lesnar for the universal title? Yes. But you bring it out for Bobby Lashley. They actually referenced that on commentary on Sunday. Yeah. They were saying like, why is he not bringing it out for this one? He seems like he's underestimating Bray Wyatt. I, I think it would be a better thing for the character if it was like the demon comes out when the demon chooses to. If they explain like the demon's this like Hulk-like persona, they can't control. They don't really. Yeah, right? They don't. They've not used. As, the way Quacko explains it, see if they use the demon properly, that would work. But they don't really seem to use the demon really properly at all. No, no, because like okay. they, they used it better in NXT. Yes, yes, but they brought it out with Baron Corbin, right? Because Baron Corbin had the pushing thing and pushing him and pushing him, pushing him. They, he brought it out with Bray Wyatt when he poured the red paint over him because he said, "I've got my inner demon," so he built that story. That's the point of the demon. Yes. The demon doesn't but, always come out. But then you have the flip side of it. For the last Saudi show, where they announced the demon five weeks before it. Yes, but that Saudi show. Yeah, Saudi. You don't But I think that, like, the difference between the fiend and the demon is we understand the fiend character to the extent we need to. We understand yeah. that it's this different entity of Bray Wyatt that's taken over. The demon doesn't have a logic behind it, and it doesn't need to be like a real world logic. It just needs to be a sound storyline logic that's consistent. And I think that's the problem for me mm-hmm. with the demon as compared to the fiend. You know, I wanted to ask this final question. I'll give all of you a chance to answer this, right? Is this new Fiend Bray Wyatt character a main event gimmick? Yes. 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 Potentially. What WWE does next is crucial. Don't mess it up, please. It needs to be special, uh, which I think they're going in that way because we didn't get the Fiend in Raw this week. You can't wrestle a random Raw show. No. Yeah. It, needs, it needs to be safe for people. You keep the Firefly yeah. Funhouse and the occasional attacks. Yeah. I wonder if the, we might see a sort of Bray Fiend as in a Finn Demon thing that we might see Bray wrestle on ro- random Raws as Bray and then the fiend comes out for big shows. As heart attack break? That'd be phenomenal. <laughs> oh, I'd love that. <laughs> that like, handshake before the match and stuff. Like, good no. luck, son. Good luck. So, to me, that's a your match. Fiend versus demon. Yeah. See, yeah. back to Shania Ross in the break. Not this mania, it has to be the fall mania coming. I wouldn't so, mind. Because they give the fiend time to build up. It's just something I fear as well. Like, the demon is, as much as we're clear, the demon is Vince McMahon's you know, it's to sell masks because he's not got a mask style that can do it. It's to sell masks and t-shirts and, you know, the the arm things. But now he has the fiend for that. Yeah, but at the same time, I've got a fear because he's never really trusted Bray Wyatt that there was it's no... just going to go all the way to Mania. Yeah. Demon's going to beat him and then it's like... Do you think, though, we don't have just Vince running things from behind the scenes now? As it seems, Paul Heyman and Eric Bischoff are being handed more power... It's a problem for me, and a, a Stephen, I get why you said you wanted them to be kept apart. I do think that the Fiend versus Alistair Black is going to be the Mania match. Be great, but they, need, they can't have one of them lose. Bad, you know? I, think, I, I do think have both of them undefeated until then. You have a built-in thing with if Bray's personalities get too out of control by the end of the match, like it's himself that gets to his own way. That's an interesting storyline, <laughs> and it's like the Zen Alistair Black, Black is the thing that helps him win. You know what I mean? I think Quacko, do you have something to say? Uh, well, 
I would have seen as you came to me I did highlight one good thing about the pre-show I'll highlight one bad thing mm-hmm. and it was a personality vacuum that is Sam Roberts who proceeds to bury Finn Balor that man should be put in the trash yeah. uh, some of the guys were talking about merchandise uh, they had a superstore there some Slam mm-hmm. superstore which uh, wasn't that big but yeah. no Bray Wyatt, uh, sorry no uh, Finn Balor merchandise on sale no masks or anything mm-hmm. but yeah they happen to have like themed masks did you get one? How much were they going for? Thirty odd dollars. Because they're now going up on eBay for fifty dollars. Yeah, I think they were thirty dollars. Yeah, and the then Eo Shirai had... mask was fifty dollars, wasn't it? Yeah, and then they had like the little, I think it's the buzzard that you had, and that was was like twenty five. Yeah. I, I love that. I kind of stuck. I love WWE merch, but it's always over expensive. What's just yeah. the point on the fiend? Apparently, one of the writers has said, "Don't expect Rollins to hold this title long. The fiend's mm-hmm. coming from." So they're saying the Fiend is going to get the push before Survivor Series. I think that'll be a good feud. Um, That's what they are. One thing I didn't think would be a good feud, I'm nailing out of these segues today, is <laughs> uh, Natalia versus Becky Lynch. Now, I think this is the problem we're talking about earlier on with the women's division only building one star at once. So when it came to who Becky's sur- uh, SummerSlam opponent was going to be, we'd already had our feuding with Lacey Evans for what felt like an eternity. Mm-hmm. Um, so we weren't sure when it was going to go next. I'm going to come to uh, a card-holding member of the Becky Lynch fan club first, Mr. Stephen Wilson. I think it's undeniable to say since Mania, Becky has cooled off considerably. Would you agree? Well, we would all cool off if we had the feud with Lacey Evans for, <laughs> for whatever it was. I mean, Lacey she, Evans has gone missing, hasn't she? Yeah, they, they, she tried to drag her, but it just it, it didn't help. It didn't help Becky. Didn't help anybody. When they threw Seth in, in there, it didn't help Seth either. Wait, yes. wait, Becky Lynch and Seth Rollins are dating? Something wrong should I mention this? And it was us that broke it, not Dave Meltzer. <laughs> <laughs> we can start all day. But no, you were right, David. Uh, Becky needed something new. We were shocked it was Natalia. Mm. But give the two of them credit for about three weeks, the two of them verbally knocked lumps out of each other. Yeah. And then they had a match, which was good. It was a good match, but. Like we've said, like Gary said with Kofi and Randy, probably place wrong in the card because we had the hometown Canadian losing in the opening match. And what does that do traditionally? Yeah. Kills the crowd. Well, it, it was one of those things, though, what you've got is, I think it's forgivable because Becky is one of the most overstars in the company. But the thing about Natalia, Ross, we always say this about her, she's a bit meh. But I think every time she's been given an opportunity like this, she has taken it. She has good promos, but she can't deliver them, if that makes sense. Yeah. She always seems as if she's overacting, as if, like, she'd be the sort of person, like, if you give her a scene like, as an extra, it's like, oh, by the way, you're going to walk from one side of the office to the other to go to the printer. <laughs> and she would, like, research how to walk to the printer. <laughs> like, she just over... Over research. You from experience. Yes. Ross is a great actor. So it, he's just, she just over, over I get, I get over, what you mean. Yeah. Everything she has looks or says but looks I, like it'd be good on paper. Yeah, but I think something that's happened to Natalia with the constant, you know, built up, built up, built up, like cut out for under. She is the Dolph Ziggler of the women's division. Yeah. You bite every so often, but and you and you know there's got to be great matches. But you don't really, in the back of your mind, believe that she's leading that title. What Ross said made sense, because we saw that on Raw the next night, where she was delivering a promo, 
where she was talking about it had been one year since her dad died yeah. and the crowd were hating it. She was getting booed yeah. mercilessly. And then they loved what happened next, uh, but we'll get to that. In Not as much as now. Michael Cole. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Gary, I'll actually, I'm going to hit back a wee bit about Natty leaving with the title and you're not believing it. I think the placement in this, uh, the match in the card helped it because it was like, putting <laughs> this on first. Surely the Canadian hometown hero is going to win with it, uh, is going to leave with the belt. Did you like this uh, match in terms of a back and forth affair? Did it feel too predictable to you? Uh, I, th- I, I thought and still think it was placed wrongly in the card. It's a risk to put the hometown hero in the opening match and not have them win. Luckily, they didn't, the fans didn't shit all over it. Um, which you know could have easily gone that way. It's a submissions match, which means it's going to be more technical match. That's not, sometimes not always the greatest yeah. one to start. You know, if you want to start with high energy, it made it exciting. Know the spot. I love yeah. the sharpshooter in the second row. I've I never seen really a submissions count. Ca- never seen a submissions count anywhere match. What happened to rope breaks? Aye, it wasn't even count anywhere. It was yeah. just like then they tried. Someone tried to explain it in, like, uh, in commentary, but yeah. I was like, nah, this is just a thing so they can have an excuse to use the second rope. Spot, I think. Yeah. I think that's what it was. They realised, oh, that would just lead to a rope break and so on. Before it but was like, just make it Uncle, yeah. Uncle Brett's rope, the second rope. <laughs> ropes. But when the when Natalia won the SmackDown Women's Title, what was most surprising about that was actually that she won it because we've been used to that story of her getting close mm-hmm. and then falling short at it. Um, I thought it was a dangerous ploy for WWE to do to start the match that way but they certainly delivered uh, from our vantage point when you're on the, the floor level and you've got a lot of mat based wrestling it's not always the easiest to see so we seem to yeah. look at quite a lot so, of this match on the screen didn't we? Yeah but it was more like because oh they're on the ground just look up at the screen and struggle to see what's happening <laughs> yeah, like what's, what's going on? Mm-hmm. No, I, I have to say though I enjoyed this match a lot more than I thought it would, yeah, Alan. I um, think you're right. And I genuinely believe that this feud has reignited Becky Lynch's champion a bit. And I think yeah. Natalia and Becky deserve credit uh, for the match that they managed to put on. It was one of the best of uh, SummerSlam opens I can remember. Yeah, well. I actually think mm-hmm. it's one of the best matches in the car. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought it was really well done. Uh, I don't necessarily totally agree with everything Ross is saying about obviously the close and no, not quite there. I felt, see, since Natalia thrown into this, Natalia so upped her game. Yes, she's she's still very raw, no pun intended. (laughs) But, you know, there's so much potential and then there is the rumour that she's going to be involved still with Becky and also you know who. Um, So I like that. I thought she did very well because she didn't have much time to prepare for it. I thought the match itself was actually very, very good. Yeah. But neither one of them have came out looking weaker. Both of them have looked better. And to be honest, I kind of knew she wasn't going to win because what happens to WWE when you go home? Back. Yeah, definitely. And Gary, she had a dream, she hadn't made it, and never enough is stopping her coming out. Sasha Banks is back, and that's the next feud. Do you think this is the best place for Becky to go? Yeah, I don't know if you heard it on the screen, but on TV, um, but during that match, people were chanting, We want Sasha. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, you know, and Sasha's return that, I mean, that was a vicious beat, beat down on Natalia, poor Natalia, wasn't it? Yeah, and then to cut, for Becky to come out and then just be beaten up too. Yeah, cool. so yeah. I thought cool. this. Natty. 
She's not from Toronto, so we keep calling it our hometown. You can't just claim an entire country as your home. <laughs> I can't go to all the way to Boston when I come from yeah. Los Angeles. You gotta give Corey Graves credit. Well, that man with his continuity, with his hate for Sasha, so oh, she yeah. walks about, does whatever she wants. It kind of annoyed me a wee bit. I think yeah. it was like, it should have been about Sasha Banks returning. Corey Graves was like, remember how much I hate this woman, please, just uh-huh. remember. I bet you next week he's gonna be loving Sasha, you just watch. I like, because uh, he turned in Bliss during the pre show. He, used to, he usually loves Bliss, and he was like, this is ridiculous, she's dressed up as a cartoon character. <laughs> That's a joke. <laughs> That's something Jerry Lawler used to do all the time, and it was great because he loved. The Rock's promos and they loved the people's elbow, but as soon as The Rock took on someone in the corporation, Aye. or took on, it was all of a sudden like that. I mean, The Rock should know his role. The Rock should know his role. Aye. It's that's the sort of Corey Graves thing. He loves Alexa Bliss, and you can always tell who is who is his friend. Aye. But the character he always snaps back in there. I love I love Corey Graves. I think he's really. But Renee actually mentioned him and Carmella going out this week, and he's like, oh, she said, oh, your bird's looking great, Graves, or something like that, <laughs> when she showed up at the the foreign rounds table. Jim Renee wanted to go like that to him. How do you like it? Yeah. How do you like it? Like <laughs> are you seventy week? Oh, that foreign rounds table, but oh, that was. Oh. But we never uh, got to hear the Mong Ai story at SummerSlam, so that detracted a whole that, lot of grade from the paper. That is my favourite thing from every paper. It's Mong Ai. <laughs> <laughs> the continuity of the Mung <laughs> Me and Mung I we went for pretzels last night after hanging up the town. Uh, from one uh, hometown hero who lost to a hometown hero who got potentially the biggest win of his career since he beat John Cena upon debuting in WWE. It was KO uh, versus Shane. Guys, Kwaku, how over it's Kevin Owens now? Is he the hottest property in WWE at the minute? Our truth is, but besides our truth, <laughs> uh, <laughs> sorry, yeah, yeah, besides our truth, KO, he's just on another level. Like the guy, I mean, his promos are just amazing, and it's just the way he gets so angry, wrapped up, red in the face, and he still delivers it work perfectly. Like, it's the way it's like. Alan, see with a, a baby face, right? Sometimes you can tell, like, Seth Rollins, part of the reason he got booed, because it's going to suck to realise maybe he's not such a great guy in real life. Yeah. See with Kevin Owens, see, because he is so relatable and likeable, we just want to get behind him. He's just funny. He's, it's a good comedy. It's not WWE comedy. Yeah, it's something I, f- I found very odd at first when he came back and he was with the New Day and he was a face, because obviously that one, everybody said he was a heel, <laughs> and he was, I just thought he was a natural heel, and I thought, He's not loving baby face, it's just not loving. Mm-hmm. And then you end up realising, for me, he's, he's, he'll work with here, but his baby face is just so far ahead. I he is, he's kind of like Bray Wyatt, he just knows how to reinvent himself, how he changed, and he knows what to do at the right time. And, uh, he is, that's about professional. He is, he is, and you know, for a lot of the guys that are coming up, he if I was a coming up guy, you know, from NXT or whatever, mm-hmm. he's the guy I'd go to right now and go, Teach me. Yeah, how did you transfer uh, over? Yeah, teach me. I'll blend up and you tell me, just tell me what you do. Uh, He'd yeah. be the guy. Would you agree with that, Ross? Would you agree with that sentiment? Yeah, yeah, 100% because he's so natural off the cuff. That's why it's working. It's not WWE booking him. Like, you know, when you see when he came back and he was the family guy and he was like, you know, I don't want to step on Kofi's toes, but you know, I've got a family to feed and that. I'm just a normal guy like you. It's like that doesn't work. We know yeah. just a normal family like guy with two kids. And, Luckily, there is a family guy, you know. <laughs> but um, this this new anti-authoritative 
you know, hitting the stunner on a McMahon, we've seen that before somewhere. And the fact that, you know, as much as people hate the fact that Shane's always on TV, the good thing about working with Shane is Shane likes to go over his promos with people. And the fact that it's the boss's son, so if Kevin Owens is a great idea and runs it by Shane, it's like Shane I- will go let's do that Shane's up for just about anything well that's one thing I like to lead into because like you said lucky there's a family guy but lucky there's a man who positively can get booed (laughs) anywhere he goes Stephen he's he's, Shane McMahon for what you say about him he's a fantastic natural heel yeah he's got nuclear heat at the moment some maybe say he's got bad he's got X-Pac heat Uh, but it kind of played into for Kevin Owens at this point in time. Kevin Owens is a great example of somebody who, as good as he was as a heel, he's been throwing some absolute garbage on the main roster. Mm. When he was US champion, he got drafted to SmackDown and he had to wear the suit. Uh, the new face oh, of America. Oh, the new face of America from a Canadian, come on. Right. But the faith they've got in him to, when, when he's had this turn to say, he's got a, a bit of free reign with his promos, yeah. go out and say what you want, and he has done, not to go too extreme, but he's done the job, and we saw him in the ring there on Sunday what is what is good is he's still got that element of his heel character as we saw with the finish yeah. he went with the chair threw the chair away low blow great well that's one of the things I like to talk about the construction of this match Gary actually for me it felt like an attitude era match like it wasn't a traditional Mac classic but you had all the bells and whistles there Elias getting announced as the special guest enforcer from the off what do you yeah. think of the belt and bell action itself there's uh I really enjoyed this match and there was a period of time before Kevin Owens' injury. This is actually Kevin Owens probably one of the examples of when an injury can help somebody. He was overexposed, had some time off, has come back and has reinvented himself. At the start of the match, you know, the best in the world bit goes out from Greg Hamilton, the arena was burned place out the building, wasn't it? Lucy Lucy was burning her head off with this one. Um, and then you get Elias being brought down as a special guest referee I was waiting for the guest timekeeper Shane's played that card quite a bit so yeah. it wasn't really that sort of unexpected it was just like when Drew coming in yeah we were like well Drew's going to be at some point well, apparently Drew was kept away from this uh, to and make him so he didn't seem weak uh, being on the losing side again, I which I thought was smart the, the, uh, the, there was the false finish in the match when was it KO did the two splashes off the top rope but the splash and then the, the frog splash and Elias pulls him out of the ring yeah. but then when KO got the upper hand when he whipped him like a government meal with that chair I and think then, Shane's punishment for that though was a bit unnecessary what and he found him and smacked him yeah. that was the follow up why, why, why is Shane still there this should be the point where Shane get killed yes. I would argue yes, because yes. he got the finish of the match I thought was great he got low-bowed and stunnered but I want to see Shane for, I want to see him thrown off something really high into it something make, it make, it so. yeah. <laughs> that's what makes you think it makes you think that the feud's going to continue in some way yeah, but it's SummerSlam, it's the biggest party of the summer, it's the big event in the middle. This was the chance to get Shane off a of TV and propel Kevin Owens to the King of the Ring. Okay, Clark, do you have a hot take on this? I've got a prediction, and this is going to show me as the esteemed true wrestling journalist of Eat Sleep Surplus Retweet. That's fair enough. Shane McMahon is going to be King of the Ring. No! So, don't even put that so, idea in my head, man! So that he is not the best 
in the world but the king oh, of the world. See it, see it. Thank you. I'll, t- I'll, I'll take that copy prediction over there. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I, I mean, I've mean, been on air, on air and I've said some things about Bailey and I've never had a look as bad as that from Lucy just there for that. I just think that, like, I'm not going to lie to you, right? It would be genius. But I don't want thank to you. see it see, because it'd be so frustrating. See, Quacky, we've had a good time. We did a nice question before the show. We've yeah. had some slur. <laughs> we've all we've all exchanged stories, and you had to do that. That would, that broke me worse There's than always. That one guy ruins it. Normally it's Ross, but no. But the reason we're all like that though is because we could see it coming. Thank like, you. We could. Uh, like, as soon as you thank see it, don't I'm like, me. you're going to do that. Like, please don't <laughs> do that. Don't mention it. Guys, just even if it's going to happen, just wait till I. Yeah, yes. happens. Okay. Yeah. Right, can I, my prediction? Yeah. Kevin Owens gets to the final of the King of the Ring, Shane screws him, hell in a cell, and instead of jumping off the cell this time, Shane is thrown. Yeah. He is thrown into the lights. I want a pop-up and, powerbomb through the cell, mate. Yeah, that's or, what I want. Or, or get changed, so. yeah. On to Linda McMahon. Linda McMahon in the chair with the chainsaw going out. It just gets to the end of the match and you just hear this music hit and it's like the rest of old WrestleMania where he's like do 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 and it's Todd Grisham going it's it's Linda I have a fear that this feud's going to go a wee bit like the Miz feud went so there was a moment where Shane should have put over Miz and Miz would have been off and running now Miz is back in the mid card and I'm that Ending this feud at that moment at mean uh, SummerSlam would have been perfect thing for KO to transition on to something new. If they're going to drag this out, I just fear it's going to run out of steam mm-hmm. and we'll have a repeat of that. Well, not necessarily. No, if they make it like Austin McMahon through the whole attitude era. Like, because that wasn't just a couple of months and that lasted years. Although Austin wouldn't necessarily have his match interfered by the McMahons or the corporation or whatever, but it was continuous and he would appear randomly and just spun up McMahon for the sake of it. See if they kept that idea going and they kept it. Like, Shane starts spitting off, talking crap. Kale jumps out the crowd, stunners on one I can't away. wait to risk that me at 40. Work. And we get the My Way promo between uh, Kevin Owens and Shane McMahon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, see, when you watch the actual era back, and it is that awesome thing, it was good at the time for what it was, but it gets stale quick. Mm. You know, it's Undertaker Kane, and it's Undertaker Austin, and it's Kane Austin, and it's Mankind's in there for some reason. Yeah, yeah, but he can make some other people. Uh, Billy Gunn wins the King of the Ring. Uh, <laughs> Men does absolutely nothing. Uh, well, before we move Another on, to the main, down by the system. before we move on to the main event, Quacky, I'm going to come to you personally in this one. Just to sum up, what did you think of the 24 seven shenanigans at SummerSlam? Oh my God! Yeah, the foreign announcement was hilarious <laughs> to go back to. Did she call herself Shania Twain? Is that what Carmela announced herself as? I'm Shania Twain. I don't, don't even know. Like, but something that I, 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 I just had to look back. And do you know that something is though? Like, I had I watched SummerSlam. I'm gonna do it. I watched SummerSlam three times. But then during that bit, I just had to listen to the commentary and each of those lines <laughs> because even though I didn't understand what the hell they were saying, I just had to hear them say. What's this guy? I love the Hindi guy in the left. He yeah. looks so cool. I want to listen to him in English. Mm-hmm. Like I want him to come and do it all the time. He just like looks like he knows how ridiculous it is, and he's being sort of smarky about it. Like oh, WrestleMania. Hi, I love it. It's the best thing on the planet. Anyway, I'm going to move on to the main event before I fanboy out and the the, the foreign <laughs> announced team too much. Oh, 
Mung Ai getting an interview on the show so, with Mung Ai, that'd be phenomenal. No, I'd love that. Just the, the Japanese team press currently. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to come to Gary Kerman first for this one. Rollins versus Lesnar. I have to say this, right? Were you excited in the slightest when you knew this was going to be the Universal title match for SummerSlam? No. Yeah. No. Agree. But I feel entirely entirely different about it now. <laughs> and uh, I don't know what it is. When, when the bell rang, you know, after Heyman, is there a best, better hype man in the business or in the world than Heyman? Yeah. And when he gets in there... Simon Cassidy's pretty good. And, uh, oh, I just thought no, Heyman... <laughs> Heyman kicks it off. Quacker, you can learn a few things. Um, <laughs> when he uh, k- kicks this off, it felt like it felt like a main event. <laughs> yeah, and I have to let Ross. You're a film fan. You like films. Uh, Rocky went to Russia. You know, he got booed at first. They won them over. Was this the same with Seth Rollins here? It was his performance. It was his heart. It was his guts. I think he won the crowd around. The, um, Lucy, could you come your ears here? He's a bit of a knobhead <laughs> in real life, and we, we've recently seen that. And you know, there's being proud of where you work and proud of your company, and then there's I make more than you. <laughs> That's basically what Seth Rollins has been on Twitter the past couple of months. I'm dating Becky Lynch. <laughs> yeah, knob. Anyway, do uh, your Seth laugh impression. <laughs> It's a face for podcasting. <laughs> Says the boiled egg in the corner. Anyway, uh, <laughs> uh, I was much like Gary was not. <laughs> I much like Gary was not at all excited about this match at all because we did away with the no rematch thing and we had a top 10 contender battle royal and there was so many options there you're like is Braun going to get pushed again oh my god Cesaro's in it Rey Mysterio against Brock Lesnar would be hilarious <laughs> I'd have loved that because um, Brock usually does better against smaller competitors and clearly you want to see Rey Mysterio die on pay per view a fitting tribute to the man uh, anyway <laughs> and then it just it got down to oh my god it's going to be Randy Orton again because they had a really good match at SummerSlam 26 and it was just like not a second. Yeah. It was just it was it was a long way for a shortcut. Why don't you just go look Seth's got a rematch? And I like to say, Stephen, there's no one more jealous of Seth Rollins than you, obviously. Um but what did you make of the match itself? When do you when were you personally won over? See, I'll say this, I'm a massive Seth Rollins fan. Uh, regardless of some of the stuff he said, he's maybe took the fact he's defending the company there's nothing wrong with the world champ defending the company I think they should all do it as opposed to this when the young bucks take the mick out of WWE they should defend themselves yeah. but I've said I've said this I made a lot of stick from people online what well, I'll be getting stick all week they just block you exactly uh, I think Seth Rollins is the best wrestler in the world I think he's better than Kenny Omega I think he's better than Okada oh. and he went out there at the SummerSlam and he proved that he is the best he put on a absolute classic yeah. with Brock Lesnar I actually was right into this match purely because like I said I'm a, I'm a fan and I was hoping that they would have done something better than what we've seen from Brock and I was impressed Ross actually brought up quite well in the days coming up to, probably actually I think it was on the day when has Brock Lesnar had a bad SummerSlam match? and I want to yeah. pose this question directly to Alan McLucas <laughs> Brock Lesnar you've been quite vocal in your criticism of him Alan and I get it quite I get it Alan I get it alright but I want to ask you this question do Brock Lesnar's recent performances against the best WWE has to offer show that when he wants to go he can be one of the best performers on the planet 
I hate to admit this. Oh, I feel so dirty. He had a really good summer slap. Yes! 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 yes. But yes. he did not fight the best in the world. He didn't fight AJ Styles. I will fight you to the death on that one. We have we we yeah. talked in the last hour of how AJ Styles has been rotten for a year. That's <laughs> I feel he's been held back. Not yeah. because yeah, that, that's the thing. Anyway, that's that's part of that, but what it showed is Lesnar can actually wrestle when he actually feels like it, he's actually still got it. Um, the match and everything, but the best thing about the whole match I loved about it, Rollins won without a weapon. Mm-hmm. He won clean. Nobody can say it was a steel chair or it was a low blow. He won clean. I mean, it's like, a really good finish. Yeah. It, well, he did put him through the commentary yeah. table. But let's be honest, Lesnar went to go and do it first. And is it really a weapon? You see, my. No, no, we Alan, bring, bring it. Alan brings up a fair point the fact that. At WrestleMania, it took the low blow yeah. and, the, and the, the curb stomps. If you look at Lesnar since he returned, a lot of his wins have not really came fully clean. But the fact that Rollins beat him by countering the F5 hmm. and then hitting a curb stomp and beating him 1 2 3 absolutely clean as a whistle. And it was a good thing yeah. because it wasn't as if Lesnar had beat Rollins clean either. Lesnar cashed in the money in the bank briefcase yeah. that he won through controversial means, we shall say. The yeah. Cable yeah. Gary, what do you think? There's a couple of, of interesting things about this match, and the guys are right about Lesnar. He, when he has a competitive match, you can believe uh, that he's in real jeopardy at times. Um, so that was the case with this like one. Seven's underrated. Yeah, I think so. I really think so. Um, there's a couple of really good false finishes in this match. There's a point where Seth was running, looked like he was going to do a curb stomp, and he got put up in the left five. You think, oh, that's it. No, and a couple of other spots that I really liked when he was getting uh, thrown around by the bandages they had oh, around these. So that was amazing, and the frog splash off the top rope through oh. the nibs table. That's got to hurt. Yeah. I generally thought he botched it halfway through. I thought because he didn't seem to have the length. I went, it looked like it looked like he under. I, I'm like, oh, you're going to crack your that. face here yeah. off the exit, and somehow he managed to just stretch out enough mm-hmm. that he hit him Perfectly. Imagine doing that with Brock Lesnar. You, and, you can mess up. I can't believe I've seen these words. Brock Lesnar. So, I say perfect. Hang on. Let me go back. Now. He wasn't perfect. He was still slightly short. But Lesnar, who is the laziest wrestler on the planet, clocked halfway through and thought, I need to turn. And turned and it landed on the button. Mm-hmm. And that sold it even better. And props to Lesnar because he actually did something for a change and he's earning his money. And that's what that was the, the best pop for me the whole night. Yeah, that well, table move. well, I like come Eros um, because we can kind of see where Seth Rollins is going. It looks like he's having a face versus face feud against Braun Strowman. Is this the end of Brock Lesnar and WWE? And if not, where does Brock Lesnar go now? He's not coming back for a while, I don't think. I think he will be in the Royal Rumble, the actual Royal Rumble match, because um, the tweet, I don't know if you've seen it, from Heyman, we are absolutely appalled that there's no uh, rematch rule that recently came into effect in WWE. We will be appealing this, until which time my client will not be on TV. He'll be in the Royal Rumble match, he won't win it, but whoever eliminates him, he's going back in to beat the holy hell out of them mm-hmm. and that'll be his WrestleMania match that'll, who, be, Matt, that'll be Matt Riddle but, um, <laughs> do we think it who predictions who's really not got a clue match? yet but to be honest as much as the match was great I'm not exactly excited to see Seth Rollins Drew McIntyre maybe Alan well I personally if he's going to put him over 
imagine Lesnar versus the Fiend. Oh. If Lesnar's going to put the Fiend over, the Fiend eliminates or that they have the match in Mania. Strowman. Strowman's been mm. done. done. See, a lot, a lot of the ones that's been done, Reigns has been done, Strowman's been done. Mm. Alistair Black, maybe? I, I don't think Alistair Black. There's, talk, there's, there's, a, there's a rumour that Brock Lesnar might be going to Fox for, Smack, for the SmackDown debut. Yeah. 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 I, I think it needs to be someone who's legitimate with Brock Lesnar it can't be I don't think the character versus Brock Lesnar works it has to be like a legitimate man against Brock Lesnar so a guy who comes and he looks like he's a legitimate fighter like Alistair Black I think he's a better shout for me than The Fiend is because I just don't like Lesnar when you put him in the sort of soap opera wrestling play position I like yeah. him more in this that's going to be a, a legitimate fight but he did say about the, the sorry no. the money in the bank thing he went to the soap opera and that and he was brilliant that's very that. true the thing though about Lesnar and I, I say I'm not excited to see Seth Rollins as champ again this win could have done Seth so much good at Wrestlemania when we were all behind him and wanted the title off Brock because you can make an argument other than Goldberg this is the only clean victory anyone has over him because Triple H used Shawn Michaels in the stairs <laughs> Roman Reigns you know Brock was distracted by Braun and then Roman hits the spear other than Goldberg no one even Undertaker even had to use cheat tactics yeah it just it feels like a waste of a, a win as much as the match was great I just think there was no way that in the aftermath when you actually sit down and think about it the finish would have I think Lesnar did a good job Rollins did a good job but now WWE need to focus on resetting Rollins title yes. reign yes. he's got some goodwill back and I don't think it's an impossible task yeah just to say I think next for him uh, next for Lesnar will be Smackdown and Kofi Kingston mm. I think he'll stay off until the big debut on Fox and he'll come and take that title I think it, and it'll change things up for him I think that's a good time to turn new day he'll just have him actively interfering on Kofi's behalf Kwaku did you have some uh, yes, I'll throw in another name. The future king of the world, Shane McMahon. Oh, oh no. As long as Lesnar absolutely obliterates him, and that's the one time I'll say that about Lesnar. I want him to lose every other one. I like the fact of see if Shane, like now, back in 2000 when Triple H and Stephanie were running the company, uh, uh, what's his face? Vince came back and went, This is my company and I run it. Have Shane getting a bit too big for his britches? And Vince goes like that. Why you want to hard man? Do I have to hard man? man? Do, 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 do. <laughs> boom, 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 boom. That'll be great. Well, listen, guys, I think we've dissected the SummerSlam card very well today. I would like to thank my esteemed panel. I'd like to thank Gary Kernahan. Thank you. I'd like to thank Lucy Kernahan. I'd like to thank Ross McLeod. Thank you. I want to. Th- I want to thank Alan McLucas. <laughs> I'd like to thank Quagwaji and of course uh, the ESSR champion Stephen Wilson. Well done, Stephen. Listen, guys, next week um, we have Alan McLucas in the hosting chair. He will be constructing, building with his own hands the Mount Rushmore of professional wrestling. Make sure you tune in for that very, very special, important show. He could not be nervous. Yeah, get the memo. Check out our back catalog. your car? Aye, or make it closer, come to my gaff, doing a belt to the cab seat. No, no. <laughs> Check out our back catalogue, take out the NXT uh, preview show, check out Chris Jericho's show, check out the More Than Hype interview this week, and guys, we will see you next week. Have a great night, see you later on. Listen, cunts, I don't care what the fuck you think you're doing, whatever you think is more important with your life, you honking bag of d- tips you know what you should be doing you should be going online you should be subscribing you should be listening to the back catalogue of eat sleep suplex retweet whatever the fuck 
you're doing, that's what you should be doing. I don't care if it's your mum's birthday, I don't care if she's feeling contractions, get on it right now. <laughs>